0: Christmas one. that's the first Christmas, <laughs> I think we all figured that one out, Christmas one, the day of small things and uh, I want to talk to you about the way God operates because if we understand how God operates and the way God does things, we can better perceive and understand what he's doing in our lives and what he's doing in the world even today, praise the Lord. And uh, I want to start with number one here, the day of small things. I'm going to have you go to Zechariah 4:10. I want to take a little time with uh, this particular simple thought, and then move on into our Christmas story here tonight, because uh, Christmas is the next major holiday. It's coming up. It'll be here right around the corner from us. So if you go to Zechariah chapter 4 and verse. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 10. It's a very simple verse. For who hath despised the day of small things? Who hath despised the day of small things? And that's a tendency that we can have as, a, as people, humans, that we despise small things or the day of small things. And the Bible here finds fault with that and condemns it. I'm going to give you another verse here. This is the one found in Psalms 8-2. Psalms 8-2, this is how God uh, views what we think sometimes as being small things. And, uh, Psalms 8-2, very simple. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings... Hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger? And God chooses to do it out of the mouths of babes. And if God chooses, he can take the most insignificant, the most almost helpless one in the world and raise them up to achieve his purpose. If anybody else wants to be high-minded and arrogant, proud, boastful, all of those things, God can use the small things because God has chosen to use those insignificant small things in which he might uh, obtain his purpose. One other scripture along with that simple thought is one found in 1 Corinthians chapter 27. I mean, uh, one chapter 1 and verse 27 127 and 28, if you look at this verse of Scripture, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writing here. And he says here in the 27th verse, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which... Are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to nothing are not things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. So God has chosen the small things, and so that will bring us into what we're going to be talking to you here tonight. Now, I put some examples here that we are all very familiar with. And I'm just going to refer to them and move on into our basic thought here today. A tall skyscraper, its foundation is hidden. It's buried. Before a building can be built, a skyscraper, there's a foundation. It's down underneath. They dig way down. They get to a solid rock type of a foundation below that. And then they start building the foundation. All those skyscrapers in New York City, they go down before they go up. And going down, they go, and that's the part you don't see. That's the part that's underground. That's the insignificant. That's the part that we'd say, oh, well, uh, that's not the glory of it. That's not the big part of it. That's not what we see. But without that secure foundation, there would be nothing else that would be of any value. And that whole building would just would not stand. It would not exist. It could not stand everything else that would come along toward it if it did not have that foundation. I'm just trying to point out to you here that this is a, a policy of God that he starts with small things, the little things, the hidden things, the secret things, that he may bring forth the great things. Praise the Lord. So, if you ever feel like, Lord, I'm a nobody, well, join the crowd. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We've become God's people, you know. We're, we've all come from nothing, we've all come from nowhere, we've all come from just a humble background. And God saved us, brought us out of, out of sin, out of the world, out of carnality. And he has put in us his spirit, his love, his grace, his goodness, and made us part of the great family of God and the church of the living God on the face of this earth. Praise God. Uh, another thought here is just adding another uh, dimension to this is Moses. Uh, God first spoke to him on the backside of the desert that we all know about it. I won't read any scripture there or anything. But he spoke to Moses when he was on the back side of the desert. Nobody was around, far away from everything. And the Lord just all of a sudden appeared in the burning bush. And the bush didn't burn up. Moses said, why is that bush not burning up? It's on fire, but it's not burning up. And the Lord said, Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And he began to talk to Moses. And it was there that he called Moses to go back into Egypt and lead the children of Israel out. It was there that he said, my name shall be called the I Am. And all these wonderful things that's been passed down to us over even thousands of years. It all began with a man standing on the backside of the desert in a shepherd's garment taking care of a sheep. Nobody else around. And all of a sudden God appears and God shows him. Another example of God speaking to us in small things is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was on his way to Damascus to put Christians in jail. The Lord appeared unto him in a bright light. He was blinded for three days. And the Lord said to him, You know, Paul, Paul, why kickest thou, or Saul, it was at that time, why kickest thou against the pricks? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, thou, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. And he realized that Jesus was the Almighty God. And so Moses went from there. He began to search out. And to study the scriptures and the Word of God. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but before Moses began his ministry, I mean, before Paul began his ministry, he first spent time alone for three and a half years, for three years, studying the Word of God and searching it all out before he ever did anything. He was a nobody, he was obscure, he was somebody, and God struck him down and made him nobody. And then Moses, in that nobody state, God began to show him the great things of God. Uh, I'll have you look at this verse, if you would, in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. Galatians 1.15, this is the one about Paul here. And uh, we'll move on very quickly here in a few moments. But it pleased God. This is uh, Paul writing now to the Galatian church. But it pleased God. Who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. That means as soon as he was struck down and he knew that Jesus was God, he didn't go asking people a lot of questions. He just he did not go talking to anybody, but he began to seek God about it all. Verse 17, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia. Now, Arabia is a, is, a, is a country that is mostly just desert and wilderness. This is a map here. Let me just show it briefly here. This is a map of Palestine. This is Syria right here, See, the word Syria. This part is all Syria right up in here. And this is Damascus right here. This is where... The, that he was on his way to Damascus when he was struck down. He went into Damascus, received his healing, and then the Lord impressed upon him to go into Arabia, which is back this way, which is really off off the screen, going this way, like where my pen is pointing. And uh, so he went into Arabia, and Arabia was just a, a wilderness. And folks, he went there for three years, took his Bible, his Old Testament Bible. And begin to study and pray and seek the face of God and say, God, show me what I need to understand. And the Lord told him, I'm going to use you to preach the word to the to the uh, to the heathen they call them, which is the Gentile world. I'm going to use you to preach to the Gentile world. And so Paul then began to be. And he was called Saul, and he was called Paul. And then he came back after three years. was there in Damascus short for a short time. Then he goes on to say here. I'm going to finish reading this. Uh, Verse 17, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Uh, And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. And then from there, he and Peter became friends. And uh, Peter, of course, was the apostle that God had chosen to be sort of the chief of the apostles. And uh, from there on, Peter began to understand that Paul had a special ministry for the Gentile world. Now, I only point that out that in that insignificant area of just spending three years by himself studying the word, God began to use him. That's why you and I can never discount those lonely times that we may have had or we have in our lives things that we feel like we're not getting anywhere you don't know what god is doing how he's working how he's planning because he starts some many times on a very slow key very small basis and they begin to grow and they begin to grow and god will bring forth his work in due time praise god let me move on here with my uh, my outline that i have for you and uh and then of course. Uh, David, the shepherd boy, we all know that David was so insignificant, an insignificant person. Even whenever Samuel went down to Jesse's house, the father of, of David, down to his house and said, where's all your sons? And he called all, called all seven of them up there and everything. And every time that Jesse went to lay hands on one to see if this was the Lord that he should anoint to be the next king, the Lord would say, no, that's not him. That's not him. And finally, uh, Samuel said to Jesse, is this all your sons? Well, no. He said, I got one other son, the youngest one. He's uh, he's out in the wilderness out there. I mean, he's taking care of the sheep. He's out in pasture land. This was in the, incidentally in the town of Bethlehem. We'll come back to Bethlehem in a few moments. But anyhow, he said, uh, no, he's, uh, he's out there. Well, go get him and tell him to come in. I'm not going to go until you bring him in and. And whenever he came in and Samuel stood before him, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, This is the one, anointing him to be the next king. Next king? Next king of Jerusalem? Of, in, in Jerusalem of Israel? The next king? And he's a shepherd boy. He's insignificant. He's been out there on the backside of the desert. But you know what he's been doing? He's been praying. He's been singing psalms, uh, songs on a harp. And he'd sing songs, and he'd write songs those psalms or songs they sang back in the Old Testament. they were songs they would they, they put them in music, and they sang them and those psalms and he would many of those psalms, so many of them in fact, probably fifty percent of all the psalms David wrote those songs he wrote songs so here he was at playing his harp, looking after the sheep, and uh, taking care of his father's sheep and Backside of the desert, nobody around, nothing there. And I'm just trying to point out to you folks that God was getting him ready for something great and something good. Just because we may be in a nowhere position or a nothing place or we feel like we are a nobody, it doesn't mean that God is not going to use us, deal with us, work with us, and I just want to say this for what is worth. I believe God still, I still believe this. God wants to use this church to reach some souls and to reach people and that healing makes come forth. And there could be a work of God manifested in our midst. Don't ever give up on that because God is getting some people ready. Praise the Lord for what God is going to do. And the Bible says where grace abounds, where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And sin is abounding today, you know that, but grace is that much more abounding, praise the Lord. And so I want to let, let you know, wherever you are, if you ever feel that, well, who am I, or what am I, or, you know, I'm a nobody or something, everything, uh, just remember this, that's who God uses, <laughs> praise the Lord, that's who God calls, amen. And uh, God chose David, the shepherd boy and made him to become king now he went through some experiences but god brought him there because god had chosen him and put that anointing upon him now christmas one began in obscurity i'm going to talk to you here about the angel gabriel i want you to go with me if you would to the second chapter of the book of luke second chapter of the book of luke and uh this is where the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary. Now, listen to me very closely. Here, I'm going to touch on some things for you, and uh, look at this 26th verse. And in the sixth month, the sixth month was uh, was uh, Elizabeth and uh, and, and uh, Zachariah when they were they were going to have John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a cousin, was a relative to Mary, and. Uh, they had no children. They were up in age. They felt like they could not have children. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto Zechariah and said, I'm going to give you a son. His name is going to be John the Baptist. John, they call him Baptist. They just called him John. And uh, that would become John the Baptist. Now, six months after uh, Elizabeth was became pregnant with, with John the Baptist, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the Lord sent Gabriel to appear to Mary. Mary, look at this 26th verse. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Nazareth, not Bethlehem now, Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is way up in the northern part. This is the, uh, the map here I was showing you a while ago. And this is a map of Palestine. If I can push it up a little higher. And this is Nazareth that right up here. This is Nazareth. I know it's a little dark here, but it's the, the arrow's point is way up there. I've been to the city of Nazareth. It's still a very insignificant little town. and it's the town that Jesus grew up in. It's where he lived till he was grown. Let me get back down here. And uh, Gabriel went to this little town. look at verse 27, "To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. The word "spouse" means engaged to. They were not officially married yet, but they were engaged, committed to each other, and it was like they, were, they knew they were going to get married, but there had been no consummation to the marriage. So he appeared to her. She was a virgin, espoused a to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, this house of David here, look at this closely now, is referring to the virgin, not to Joseph. I'm going to show you why. It says that he appeared to, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, comma, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It's still talking about Mary. The emphasis is on Mary here. If, it had, if, if the scripture here had been referring to Joseph of the house of David, and he was of the house of David... Mary and Joseph were, to the virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. It would say Joseph with no comma and say a man whose name was, was Joseph of the house of David. You understand what I'm saying? It would flow con- regularly. But because of the comma of the house of David refers back to the virgin, then it picks up again and says, and the virgin's name was Mary. contends on with that thought. Now, I'm going to give you a scripture to substantiate that, to make sure that nobody ever says, oh, Mary was not of the house of David. Look over in Psalms 132 and 11. 132:11. 11. This is not. Uh, I don't think this is in your notes. There, Psalms 132:11. Put on the screen there. Luke, uh, Psalms 1. Psalms 132:11. All right. Well, that's blurred, isn't it? Yeah. Did you see that okay? I didn't know it was that blurred. All right. Psalms one thirty-two eleven. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Now look at this. Of the fruit of thy body will I sit upon thy throne. Of the fruit of thy body Will I set upon the throne? He was saying to David that the Messiah when he comes will be a direct descendant of you of of David. Of you there, David. And so the David was the Lord was pointing that out. And verse eleven says the Lord, L O R D, all capital letters refers to Jehovah, the I am. Jehovah God, the I am. Uh, the, the, The I am Hath sworn in truth unto David he will not turn from it of the fruit of thy body will I set upon the throne now uh, Jesus did not come from Joseph's body you understand what I'm saying he was born of Mary so when you read this scripture over here in in Luke chapter uh, 2 and you read about the angel appearing unto Mary it was concerning here that uh, she would have a child and that she was of the house of David. Now, I won't go any further into it, but just to point out to you here that the Lord here was bringing a message unto, uh, unto Mary that she was to have a child. Praise the Lord. And he uh, and was to be of the seed of, of, of David. Uh, I want you to look down in verse 30, if you would, with me. 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary. Everybody still with me now? We're talking about the angel appearing to Mary. (coughs) Excuse me. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now, the word Jesus... Is a uh, comes from the Greek New Testament uh, word pronunciation of it, the Yahashua. Yahashua is the Old Testament name for that. is the Hebrew is term, the Hebrew term. In all probability, it was used. The Aramaic form of it was used here whenever the angel appeared to Mary. Shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So it was promised unto him that he would receive this throne. I want you to have also, if you look with me also in Psalms 132. Psalms 132, I believe, is the verse I want. Psalms 132 and 11. Well, that's the one we just read. I'm sorry. Okay. I've already, I've already read that one. All right. And then it goes on to say in verse 33. I'm here in this. Uh, let me point it out where we're talking here. Uh, Luke here. In 30 and 30, 35. And the angel said to her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in the, the womb and bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. No end. Then Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Praise the Lord. Now, this is a very insignificant little town called Nazareth up in northern, you know, the northern part of Israel. Uh, I've been there. It's still a small town, a little small place. They got a well there, and they, they even said this, probably where Jesus used to come running through the streets with the other kids and when he was a boy and drank from the well and all that kind of stuff. But just a little small town, you know. Insignificant. In fact, later, whenever Jesus began his ministry, somebody said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, is insignificant? It's not a place that you would think, you know, this is... Uh, like Jerusalem or some great city or where the temple was and all those kind of things. So uh, this gives us an idea here, the attitude about that little small town. But it was in that little small place that the Lord visited her and said, you're going to have a child and you'll be overshadowed and so forth. Now, I want to give you uh, the other side of the picture because God not only appeared to Mary, but to her espoused husband or husband-to-be, which was Joseph. Okay, I'm going to go to Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is interesting because there's only two of the gospel books that records the birth of Christ. Only two. Matthew and Luke, those two. The books of uh, of uh, Mark and also John, those two gospel books, begins with the ministry of, of jesus or the ministry really of john the baptist and then into jesus's ministry never dealt with his childhood days or anything but matthew talks about the birth of christ but he speaks of it from joseph's side joseph's experience where luke speaks of it from mary's experience of it so that from everything we've got a completely and a total picture here of the, of the birth of christ And how it all began in the Bible and the scriptures. Now, look at the 18th verse. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, 1.18 of Matthew. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together. All right. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So all of a sudden now she's pregnant with a child. She'd never been with a man she's a virgin verse 19 then joseph her husband that is husband to be or he's a spouse to her being a just man and not willing to make her a public example by saying you've been with somebody else and i'm supposed to be the guy you're going to get married to and you're 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 messing around playing around whatever happened Instead of doing all that, he was mindful to put her away. Put her away means to divorce her or divorce their, their engagement, and they're not going to get married now. He was going to do it privately. In other words, do it very so that we would not bring a scandal on her and just let it go its own merry way. But, look at verse 20. But, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. But he didn't walk in the in the front door and come in and talk to him like he did Mary. Look how it happened here with him. The angel of the poor Lord appeared unto him in a dream. And every time that the Lord appeared to Joseph, it was always in a dream. Even whenever Jesus, after he was born, and was down in Egypt. And the Lord said, okay, uh, Joseph, take him now back. Go back now into Israel. Uh, he appeared to him in a dream, always in a dream. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Now, Joseph was also the son of David. He's also the son of David. So both Mary and Joseph were direct descendants of David. On the and uh, they come down through two different lineages uh, of the David's sons and, and so forth. Now, I won't go into detail on that. That's a Interesting study and is very enlightening too. He goes on to say here uh, that, uh, behold, the Lord, the the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, "Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost." That's all he had to say to him, and she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that was it. Now, look at verse 22. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. And he refers here now to Isaiah, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. This found in Isaiah seven fourteen, And this is from, in, in Isaiah, it says this. Behold, a virgin shall be found with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. This gives you the identity of Jesus Christ. Verse 24, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. In other words, he married Mary. He took her, married, and knew her not. This is sexually knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now I'm showing sure you here both sides. Have God very insignificantly talks to Mary, and very insignificantly talks to Joseph, and then Mary goes through her nine months of. You know, time to be, to have a child. Now, uh I'm going to go back over here to, uh back over to Luke. And I want you, I'm going to pick up over here where the Lord began to talk to them. And praise God. Look at chapter 2 now. Chapter 2, Luke chapter 2 and verse 3. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee. That is out of, out of uh, Nazareth. Let me get this map up here again for us. Up here in Nazareth where he was. And he went down. And he crossed over here. They would always travel on this side. And he got down over here. And he crossed over here above the north the Dead Sea. And came on down. And this is Jerusalem right here. And this is Bethlehem right here with this is pointing. Right there. That's Bethlehem. So they traveled from here down across over here and down. And this is this is not easy traveling country. I've been through there. This is very steep from here down to there they didn't have cars they didn't have cars they had to they'd either walked and had a donkey or something carrying her you know they walked and she was probably riding an animal of some type i don't imagine it was a couple of big horses or anything like that either just mules or donkeys or whatever they had and they came down here and they were just he was a carpenter this joseph was he was nothing fancy but he was of the Royalty of Abraham. And they came down here. T- now, folks, they made that journey. And of all things, she's pregnant with the Messiah. And the Caesar over in Rome now decides that he wants to make everybody pay taxes. And they've got to go back to their hometown to do it. They've got to go back there to be counted. And forces this couple to go to Bethlehem. But it's all God's plan, (laughs) praise the Lord. It's amazing how that God's plan sometimes can seem like, boy, it's putting a hardship on us. But God's plan is so great and so wonderful. And so here's this couple making this journey. And they didn't make this journey in a day or two. It took took days for them to make that journey down. They had to go easy because of her condition. And she had to ride that. And they knew it was of God. And they were going back now to Bethlehem. And here they were making their journey back down there and going to go to this town, everything. And they make their journey right on back down there. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it says, I'm going to finish reading verse 4 here. I'm in Luke chapter 2, verse 4. Joseph also went from Galilee out of the city of Bethlehem. I'm going to take this down. You can see the distance they had to travel. Uh, David, because uh, called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David. David was from Bethlehem. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, I'm just trying to show you here that all of this seems like it didn't have to be this way, but God chose it. Do you understand what I'm saying? God chose. That it would be seemingly insignificant, uh, poor, nobody, you know, would ever think that there would be some great king of kings come out of this situation. And uh, so they traveled on that donkey and they got down to Bethlehem. And they went right on down and they were the house of the lineage of the tables, and being great with child. Now, I want to move on here a little bit closer because I want to point out some things to you here. The angel appeared to Gabriel, the angel angel of Mary, and then the birth of Jesus, Luke 2 and 6 and 7. In total humility and obscurity. And this is the 6th and 7th verse. I want you to look at verses 6 and 7 with me now. Look at this very closely. And so it was that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. The worst kind of a situation. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I mean, that's even worse. They make the long trip. They get to Bethlehem and they go to a motel to try to get a room that they could stay in and there is none they go to another one there is none they go to another one no one finally i guess some innkeeper said hey i don't know of a room in town that you can get but out back here there's a there's a stable out there it's got some donkeys maybe it's got a got some sheep got some uh goats and uh maybe maybe in the back side there Uh, Maybe you can seep out there, get some bunch up some hay or something. Do you understand here how obscure and how insignificant the birth of Jesus was? And uh, one day I was thinking about it all and I said, Lord, I said, why did you make it so, so obscure and so insignificant and such poor situation? I just asked God that and the lord spoke to my heart and said so that the poor can always identify with christ the poor people that don't have that have nothing in this world you see you and i are in america and you may be poor in america but in other parts of the world you're rich you you, you you're not so poor You you're okay everybody's wanting to come to america you know that and so People in other countries or wherever they might be, this poor, they have nothing. They can read this and they can say, I can identify with that. I understand that. Do you understand what I'm trying to point out here? That Jesus made everything about his birth coming into this world. So base, so obscure, so insignificant that people today, wherever they might be in the whole world, they can be the poorest of the poor. And they can read that and say, I can understand that, and he can understand me because he was born in that kind of an environment. Who is this Jesus? I want to know more about him. It will help them to come closer to God because the Bible says the whole, the poor heard him gladly. Praise the Lord. I just point that out for what it's worth. But Jesus was born in a very poor and a very insignificant establishment there. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes. These were torn strips of cloth i even looked it up searched it out to make sure i was right on it and that's what it is swaddling wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger a manger was a little, like a little feed trough for those animals hey not not a hog trough but you know hey you've seen pictures of the, of the manger so you all we all know what that looks like but animals would eat hay and stuff out of that Put some hay in there, put some swaddling clothes, wrapped him in that and laid him after he was born in that manger. And that was his bed. Folks, the birth of the king of kings, the birth of the direct descendant of David, king of Israel, the birth of the one who would be God manifest in flesh, almighty God that made all things, could not have made it a more insignificant, humble condition than his coming into this world and i'm saying all of that to say here that none of us can have any kind of arrogancy or pride in us this is why the lord respects humility this is why he regards us if, if there's a humility and there's a humbleness about us but if we are proud and arrogant and high-minded and cocky and we get that kind of a spirit about us There's no place with God with that. No place for that at all. The Lord will push us aside and say, no, I can't use you. I can't can't work with you like that. You're not my people. That's why the humility has got to always be very, very first and prime and foremost in our lives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So when you come to church, amen, always lift your hands and say, Jesus, I praise you. I'm nothing. We are nothing. We are nothing. You know what? I'm so glad that God brought the gospel to my people, to my people, my grandparents. I'm glad that up in, little old, up in Pensacola, Florida, a little old town that grew because farmers came in off the farms, a little southern town, and, and a preacher came along preaching the gospel. And my people began to go to church and begin to hear the gospel preached. And I thank God many times, God, I'm so glad you brought the gospel along our way. And more than that, more than anything else, I'm glad he, he, he reached me with it. Praise the Lord! You know, I mean, I could have come up in that, in the family, and known about the gospel, and known about salvation, and all of that, and been in some tent meetings and all that, and heard it, and gone all my way and lived in sin, you know, and, and been lost with it. my soul, been lost. But God saved me. You know, I was a nobody. I was a nothing. You know, we were just poor people growing up. Most of us are. Most of us are. I don't care what country we are from. I don't care what nationality we are. I don't care what our background is. I don't care who your mama, your daddy was. We were nothing and nobodies. Praise the Lord. And Jesus reached out and loved us and pulled us unto him and said to us, praise the Lord, I love you and I want to save you. And he brought us unto him in that fashion. I'm just trying to tell you here today that Jesus chose this very humble way to bring the Messiah into the world of all ways he could have done it. Jesus could have been born in a big palace. He could have. He could have been born with, with gold and silver and diamonds and jewelry sparkling all around him. Because he would become the king of all kings. King of kings. all The great king. Praise the Lord. But he chose this very humble environment to do it. Now, I'm going to move a little far. Look at verse 8. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Notice here, the angel, one, one angel, one angel. Notice that. The angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, these shepherds, and they were sore afraid. Now, these were just common shepherds. They were not fancy people. They were not in the king's palace there in Jerusalem, no. <clears throat> they were just shepherds out in the, field, the fields there around Bethlehem. And... Uh, and it says, The angel appeared unto them, shone, and, the, and the light shone around them, and they were so afraid. Verse 10, And the angel, singular, said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, that is the Messiah, that is Christ, the, 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 the Savior, which is Messiah, the Lord. Now, these were Jewish shepherds. They knew what Messiah was. They knew what this angel was saying. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's how you're going to find him. Now, if they had been some arrogant, high-minded people, they'd say, oh, I'm not going to give no honor or no regard to somebody laying in a manger in a in a in a in a, in a stable you know, wrapped in swaddling clothes. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to pick up on that. Look at verse 13. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. That's a whole bunch of angels now. Praising God and saying, Notice here. No singing. They weren't singing. Now, often we see where the angels appeared and they, was, they started singing, hallelujah, hallelujah. And all. There was no singing going on. A multitude spake to the Lord and they were worshiping the Lord, praising God, and they were saying, saying, they were, they, were, they were declaring this. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so they all declared that they all spoke that they all declared it praise the lord and then the very next verse verse 15 let me move on here uh i'm moving very quickly here on your notes and it came to pass that as the angels were gone away from them into heaven the shepherds said one to another let us now go into bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass which the lord hath made known unto us and they went With haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. No wise men were there. (laughs) Wise men hadn't showed up yet. In fact, the wise men never showed up there when he was in the manger there in the the place. It was later, whenever they arrived, that they were in a house. They found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Just exactly like the angels told them they would find him. Praise the Lord. Verse 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Now, I'm just giving you a picture here of how this scene all developed. These shepherds went out and began to tell everybody, folks, just everyday common people, nothing fancy, nothing great. That's why we, sh- we can never be high-minded. We can never be arrogant. Humility is what God honors, praise the Lord. And he will lift us up, raise us up. He will help you. He will bring you through. But he wants us to be humble. I'm looking at verse 20 real quick here. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. So... They went out praising the Lord. They went and told everybody else. All the the city of Bethlehem now turned out, and they began to see and praise God and everything. Now, I want to move very quickly here. I've got just uh, times getting away here. Uh, I'm going to go to number four here, the temple experience. I want you to, we're still here in uh, Luke chapter 2. And uh, after eight days... This is all brought out in verse 21. After eight days, Jesus was taken to the temple in Jerusalem, and he was circumcised and named. That was what the Jews did because that was what Isaac was done that way by Abraham whenever he was born. And the Lord told him to do it that way. So in the eighth day of their birth, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth day, they're taken then to the temple And there the the male child is circumcised and he is also named and he was named, of course, Jesus and so forth. Now, after that, look at verse 22. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, was accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This is 33 days after the eight days. A total of 41 days i won't go into detail but this is all brought out in the old testament that a woman after she had brought forth the child then she was to go and offer some uh, either two pigeons or two turtle doves as an offering after these 41 days and that uh, they would also bring the first uh, the first child that she would give birth to bring it and dedicate it to the lord at the altar and this is why jesus was brought up again eight days he was named then Thirty one days later, thirty three days later, he was brought back again to the temple with uh, with his mother, Mary and Joseph. And they came into the temple. Now, a very strange thing happened when this event took place. Now, remember that Jesus is still a baby, but he's now uh, he's now 41 days old. Look at verse 25 two twenty-five of Luke. <coughs> Excuse me. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was made was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us, thou thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Verse 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. And a light, verse 32, and a light to the Gentiles and a glory to the people of Israel. Now, This is what this meant. This happened whenever Jesus was taken in and he was to be dedicated in that fashion. Praise the Lord. And he was taken there. Uh, One other event happened here. Look at verse 36. While they're still in the temple now at this time, Simeon came to them. Now there's another incident that happened. Verse 36. And there there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of... Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years after her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score four years. That's 84 years. She was a widow for that long. That means that her age was way up there. It's calculated that she might have been like maybe 106 years old. I won't go into detail on all that, but about 106. Uh, Anyhow, she was very old, departed not from the temple. She stayed in the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Verse 38. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. I'm just showing you how that two insignificant people now were there to recognize and honor that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God manifest in flesh, had now come to the earth and come to the world. Now, I want to share this with you. Uh, I was watching the Thanksgiving parade, and what was so interesting was what, what occurred to me happened to also to a friend of mine, and he and I were talking this week about it. And that is that in all of that uh, big parade they have in New York, what I, I can't remember the name of it now. Uh, Mesa's, is that Mesa's big, you know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? The big Thanksgiving parade in New York City. Anyhow, it went on all day. They sh- it went on all morning and then they showed it also in the afternoon rerun of it. But I'm just trying to point out to you that everything they showed had nothing to do with Christ. Nothing, nothing about Christ at all. Everything was Santa Claus. It came down to the end, Santa Claus riding in his big sleigh. Everything. As fictitious, as phony, as unreal, as a lie, as a thing could possibly be. But no manger. I bought, I told my wife again this year, I said, I want a manger scene. She bought me one I've got to put up now, out in my front lawn. I don't put anything else. I'm going to put a manger scene out there. I want everybody to know, I know what Christmas is all about. That's what it's all about, is the manger scene. Jesus being born in this world. It's not about Santa Claus. It's not about Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are you? That's a, that's a worship song of, of a Christmas tree. That's idolatry. Like you know. And Santa Claus, he's nothing. He's a nobody. Now listen to me closely on this. Years ago when my daughter was about four years old i was living in saint in clearwater i was pa- building a church in clearwater florida and i was working in saint petersburg as a salesman selling uh, awnings and household uh, patios and things like that with and i had a, a partner and he and i worked together we had worked a little bit late one night it was right at december's in december approaching christmas and uh and he was going to take me to my car, and then I was going to drive back up to Clearwater. Clearwater is only just, it all runs together, St. Pete and Clearwater does. And Largo is where I was actually living and uh, building a church in Clearwater. And I, and I uh, went with him. He said, do you mind if I go by this store that was like a Target store or like a Walmart or something, and they're open till 9 o'clock? He said, do you mind if I go by and get some things? No, no, I need to get some things. He said, we'll go by there So. Folks, listen to me. We drove in there. We went inside, did a little walk around shopping. And there was a Santa Claus sitting up on his chair right there. And some kids had been in his lap and everything. And this guy's name was Jack. And, uh, and we walked past it and Jack stopped. And he looked at the Santa Claus and he said, you know, I got to bring, he had five kids. He said, I got to bring my children down here. Let them see Santa Claus. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, I got to bring Denise, I guess, down to see Santa Claus too. You know, I just said that we went on our way. We shop finished shopping around there. When we started to go out, the door was locked and they had to unlock it because we had been locked inside. And we went outside and there was a guy that was sitting on a park bench waiting for his ride. And he had a flask of whiskey in a bag and he was drinking it. And you're sitting there and he looked cruddy. Oh, my goodness, that guy looked cruddy. And he's. And as we passed by, and we just passed by, and he said, Jack, don't forget to bring your kids to see Santa Claus. And Jack stopped and looked at him, and he said to me, and don't forget to bring Denise. And both of us were shocked. How does this alcoholic drinking dry outside, sitting outside here, know what we said inside to Santa Claus? And then he said, I'm Santa Claus. I heard you say I'm Santa Claus. Said, oh, OK, OK. We walked away and I said to Jack, there ain't no body. I'm not going to bring my daughter here to sit him on that guy's lap. Now, listen to me closely here, folks. And Jack says, neither am I. Neither am I. Boy, and I made up my mind right then. Never, ever. When I take a child and set him on Santa Claus' lap and say, now tell Santa Claus all you want for Christmas. A big stinking lie. He's a phony. He's a fake. Everything about Santa Claus is a phony and a fake. And yet the manger scene, folks, is real Christmas. Thank God when we uphold that and we have established that in our hearts and we're not ashamed of it and we want to show everybody, put it in your house I was in to get my hair cut this week, and I was in the barbershop, and he's a Christian guy. And he says, he said, Brother Myers, you see that manger scene there? Yeah, I see it. I see I got one over here. He said, I don't have nothing to do with Santa Claus. I said, good for you. Good for you. And I'm just saying he had folks, he said, I saw that parade that you, he's the guy I was talking to. I saw that parade, and he said, I was so disappointed. Not even one word was said about the manger or Jesus being born or, or the word Christian or Merry Christmas. They weren't even say happy holiday. No merry Christmas because Christmas has got the word Christ in it. You know? Thank God for the truth. Thank God for salvation. Thank God, praise the Lord, that we know, praise the Lord, that Jesus Christ came to this world. He was humble. He was at a manger. He made himself a nobody that we might be somebody. Praise the Lord. Not in this world, but in the eternal life. We may have eternal life and live forever with Jesus praise the Lord and might be a part of the great and wonderful family of God let's stand together and just give God the praise and let's thank him here thank God for Christmas thank God for his word thank God for his truth Lord we love you Jesus we thank you for your blessings your goodness your kindness thank you Lord that you ever saved us that you brought us out of sin thank you God for all of the things that you've done for your people Thank you for making Christmas even a humble thing, Lord, that even the poor can relate to. They can feel like this is a Savior that they can identify with. Lord, we thank you because you love us, God, when we were nothing and nobody and are nothing and nobodies. You love us. You love us. You love us. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your kindness to us. In all things, we give you the praise and glory and will not cease praising you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said praise the Lord. And, folks, let's keep on praising God. Let's praise him at home. Let's worship God. Let's thank him. And when you come to church, don't sit there and just pass the time, but praise God and worship the Lord with all of your heart. God bless you. You're dismissing in his name. You've been a good audience tonight. God love you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.